In this episode of Artsy Engineering Radio, we talk with Orda The Rocks. If you're a software engineer, you've almost certainly benefited from Orda's work. He's consistently one of the top contributors on GitHub, and he's currently working on the TypeScript team. He's also one of the most inspiring people I've ever met, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Artsy Engineering Radio. I'm Steve Hicks, uh, an engineer at Artsy. I'm here with John and Orda. John, you want to do a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, I too am an engineer here at Artsy, and uh, I work on the Grow team out of my house in Minneapolis. How about you, Orda? Uh, I don't work at Artsy. Uh, I'm alumni. Uh, I was at Artsy for about eight years. Uh, I kind of joined as just a junior on the mobile team. Uh, and actually then created the mobile team and sort of escalated my way through Artsy through different teams and sort of eventually became a code janitor uh, within the company. (laughs) And now I work on the TypeScript uh, programming language where you'll mostly see my work through documentation and how people interact with the entire like system itself of TypeScript. It's a pretty significant escalation to go from co-janitor at Artsy to basically managing like all of the web properties at TypeScript. Yes, it is. There's there's nothing else about that. (laughs) And honestly, that's a lot of what I want to talk to you about today is um, we, so we did this episode uh, at the time of recording. I think it released uh, within the last week or so, but we did this episode where we talked to Ash, also a former Artsy engineer and we specifically were kind of digging into how to use an engineer scale your impact. And, and honestly, when I think about scaling impact, the people that I think about that the engineers who I feel like have figured it out are people like Ash and people like you. Um, because quite honestly, you are probably the most prolific engineer I know, um, just in terms of the amount of work that you get done, the places that you touch code, the things that you ship, it's, it's incredible. Um, and you have such a hand in the community. So uh, like, I just want to start there. How do you get all that stuff done? Um, time, patience, effort, <laughs> uh, you know, like a concept of like trying to understand root problems rather than necessarily being accepted, accepting a sort of higher level, quicker, quicker answer sometimes, but not all the time. And, uh, it's, it's very hard to underestimate just how much time I throw at problems a lot of the time. Um, Orda, one naive answer to this question that I've assumed is the case is that like you probably work more than 40 hours a week. And I, and I wonder if you have any like comments or like thoughts about that. Yeah. Uh, you're completely correct. I easily work more than 10 hours every single day, uh, including most, maybe not weekends every weekend, but, uh, a lot, uh, in part, that's just like, you know, people have hobbies and my hobby is programming. Uh, so like, I don't necessarily think it's like a healthy balanced diet, um, wouldn't generally <laughs> recommend it to other people, sure. but if you, if your goal is to do the sort of things that I do and aim to continue, you know, escalating further, then to some extent putting in the hours may mean putting in the hours. Yeah. Nothing's free. And so, and so how, how do you, um, find the balance Maybe you're working more than other people, but like you've got to be able to find some kind of balance in your life. So I'm curious if you have had things that work or, you know, things that you've tried. 
Yeah, uh, things we've not tried is things like having kids. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's that's usually a big one, right? It's one of the biggest time uh, time sinks. Uh, I, I you could think of that in a con- negative connotation, but you know, putting anything into time, we don't do that. That's what I call my children all the time. <laughs> yeah, side project one, side project two. <laughs> um, yeah, like a lot of it's very conscious choices to not take dependencies that are not necessarily code um, and to really sort of constantly be focusing on my craft and the way in which I build and improve upon the things that I build, um, which means, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of different sort of sacrifices it requires to put in that level of time commitment. Like even on off years, I'm still in the top 20 most active Git hub contributors and that's like that's just that's just process now just wake up and i have like five or six prs to read um you know issues appearing all the time in all these different like types of organizations that require different skills from me each time all those different things they make for a really interesting morning and evening um at the trade-off of you know that is time not watching the latest episode of lost or something similar (laughs) If there, if there was going to be something that um, you, if you were going to give up a little bit of your time that you spend programming right now for something that you feel like you're sacrificing, what, what would you, what would you turn to? Would you spend your time watching Lost or would it be something else? I mean, Doc is pretty good. Strong recommendation <laughs> out there. Um, I think like right now there is a little bit of a balancing act that I'm trying to figure out with like general health, right? I'm, I'm about 35 and this is the sort of point where your body starts to fail you a little bit and sitting down on a comfy chair for a very long time period isn't great. So, you know, I do more exercise than normal. We have a dog now. So the dog is a constant source of like going out walking. Um, so I am definitely trading like raw time, uh, for doing like lighter sorts of exercise and keeping myself up and like moving, but nothing significant. Like the, I don't know it's, it's hard to quantify any of a sort of thing other than like light sure. exercise as being something I'm actually genuinely as interested in. I've been in bands, I've done all sorts of useful, cool cultural things, but at the heart, like, you know, I would still trade doing stuff like that for working with the GraphQL foundation on trying to figure out what their new design is for the website logo, et cetera. It's just like, it's just more gratifying to me internally. Yeah. Amazing. I have some things that I have noticed about you that, uh, when I think about, when I think about how you just like scale yourself beyond just one person that you do, that I imagine you do them consciously, but maybe you don't. And so I just wanna I just wanna ask you about them. The first one is the first week that I was at Artsy, I think I was trying to install Ruby and I don't know how to do that. I still don't really know how to do that. No, that is lost enough knowledge for me too. Um, but you were just like passing through. I was sitting at a table in the um in the dining area. You passed through and you were like, hey, what's the problem? Can I help you? And you just sat and you paired for honestly, maybe like two minutes, but it was just noticeable in those two minutes that you were pairing with me that that's like, you take that to a next level. Um, you have this, uh, you had this ability to just like more than I'd ever seen before, just like speak out loud what's going on in your head, the things that you are thinking, translate them into words so that I could understand, um, not just like, Hey, do this thing, type this thing, but 
what's happening and why is this, why am I seeing this specific error? It gave me total clarification into it. Um, and, and like you, you led me to, to figure out the problem myself instead of just telling me how to fix the problem. And so what, I guess what I want to ask about this is, um, is just, is, are these skills that you've built over time? Is this something that like you think about consciously? Um, how, how do you look at it? Okay. So this anecdote is going to fa- feel, feel strange, accept it. Um, <laughs> the, I, I was on a bus one day, just like traveling to work and, and I watched a, a young mother talking to her child and the way in which she could describe her feelings, like absolutely impressed me completely. She was like, you know, the way in which you have said so-and-so hurt me. And like, we would never use this sort of simplistic language between like adult to adult. You would say like, you know, that no, you, you'd, you'd gloss over the details because you would know that impl- it is implicit that you would say that you were hurt. But if you were telling mm-hmm. that to a kid, then you would actually need to go all the way down to the sort of root concept. You have hurt me because of X, not necessarily like I'm offended because of X, like offend to be offended. You need to know all these other prior concepts. And since then, almost when I try to explain almost anything, I try to like first dig down to like, what is the, what is that root underlying issue? Um, and then like, is, does the person that I am talking to actually know the le- enough abstractions for me to speak at the higher level? I'm like sort of working up incrementally until you can say like, you know, the X, the, the Flurgo buster is busted because of the Gurgler. <laughs> you first need to know what a Flurgo is. Um, and, and in part, because I'm generally... A, a sort of lone wolf programmer uh you know we talk about all the the community stuff and all these other things that i do but but at heart like i am like very much a lone independent programmer um it also means that i have to internalize all these things and be able to explain to other people as much as possible because a lot of the time the stuff that i'm doing i'm giving away to somebody else eventually and if mm-hmm. it's not like easily explainable simple well documented then there's no way that i can like safely move on and like help the next problem and try and fix those. So that's usually what I do. I try and deep dive first, give very, very primitive explanations and then work higher and higher over time. Um, And I think that works out really well for pairing, especially in environments where, you know, there's definitely a knowledge mismatch. Right. There's like, there's an element of like a feedback loop there. It seems like where you're just trying to gauge, uh, you know, what level of, of the stack here do I need to explain? And, and, um, do you are you able to just kind of pick up on that as you're talking and quickly adjust if you feel like um you know yeah. is, is it noticeable when someone's not getting in and you need to take that next level down yeah uh like a lot of the time i mean it's harder when you don't have face-to-face contact mm-hmm. um but a lot of the time it's quite easy to judge like oh you don't know what happened right rvm so you're installing rvm you need to understand what it's going to go in your bash profile does someone know what bash is in comparison to the terminal um, if you mention a bash profile, do they know what's going on? If not, then you need to start explaining how a shell opens up, for example, and what the first things are going to be grabbed there. Um, and so, like, you know, we, uh, I, I gave a talk at um, one of another alumni at Devang. Uh, he runs a art class for with Sotheby's School of Arts, ran also by another artsy alumni. Um, and you know, one of the things that I was teaching them was, you know, that computers are just abstractions on abstractions on abstractions on abstractions and 
you know, my my wife's a deep diver when she learns, and sometimes I feel like I have to explain, you know, hardware I/O to her before <laughs> I can explain to her why JavaScript if statements work in a particular way, um, and you know, they're all there, and like eventually you get to a point with, you know, there has to be a a, a run loop running on in C on some sort of assembly thing, and somewhere you'll need to explain at those different levels of the stack. I think there's a vulnerability aspect to this that I find really compelling too, that if you are good at thinking out loud, you are sometimes saying things like, I'm not sure why it did that, but I, but it could be this or it could be that. So I, um, and that can be natural or like, um, not scary if you're yeah. maybe a more senior engineer, yeah. but sometimes if you're like maybe earlier in your career saying those kinds of things about, you know, th- thinking out loud and thinking things that like not sure about can be kind of tricky. And, um, so, so, so I think that kind of moving from that, um, junior to senior can, can, can bring with it the confidence to think out loud. Yeah, this is totally, totally true. In fact, one of the, we'll probably touch on it later, like the ability to have confidence in what you say and that people think you're smart, regardless of what, what's going on. That is like, that allows me to get away with a lot of stuff and get away is like, (laughs) Maybe not no, necessarily a term, but it, it allows me to just be straight up like, I don't actually, well, I, I, really? Yeah, well. And yeah. you can still get away with something. It's an absolute psychological safety. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't know you, but I could walk around Artsy like I owned the place and just sitting down <laughs> next to someone and being like, hey, you're new. What's up? <laughs> totally That's fine. exactly what happened. <laughs> Um, there's a phrase that you used a little bit ago. Uh, you said that you were giving away a lot of the work that you were doing. And I think that I've read something from you about this. Um, but I, I think you can talk about this maybe a little bit more about how you work in a manner where everything you do is like a shallow piece of work or maybe like a small piece of work that you're just advancing a little bit. Does is that resonate with you or is that maybe something I've heard you talk about? Yeah. Uh, I've talked about being a shallow programmer explicitly. Um, there's a blog post on the artsy blog about that, which is, you know, sometimes that's about doing the glue code between bigger projects. Sometimes that's about just going into a big project and fixing one or two things that like a lot of people want. Uh, a good case for like artsy was, you know, there was, Engineers don't generally spend huge amounts of time talking with like partner support or like the sort of end users that actually get talked, they receive all the feedback. So sometimes I just go and sit with them for a while and find out like things that are like crucial to them. That turns out that like sometimes the product process can miss things and they complain about it like between each other, but not actually through the system that could just be fixed with like a few hours here and there. Like those are like massive wins for barely any effort that sometimes it's just hard to go through the communication process to get there. Cool. Um, John, do you have any things that you've noticed or to do that you want to ask him about? Um, the the thing that in, well many things impress me about Orda, and I want to talk about design. So <laughs> maybe you could spend a couple minutes talking about like your background in design and how that's shaped you as an engineer. But then I have some other questions too. Sure. Um, I my first programming job lasted me uh, about three quarters of a year because I got kicked out of the country. Um, very conveniently. That's uh, no good. There you go. I know, right? The 
when I got back, um, I had no job. I was just living with my parents. Um, and my auntie died, who I'd never really met, so, but had left. She'd left me some cash. And what I'd realized uh, at my first job was that I was definitely lacking the skills to be as independent as I would like to be. And I felt that like, yeah, I could be a good programmer, but I'd spent all this time doing games programming and did had no clue how to make it look good or how to make it feel right. Um, and so I actually took myself off to print school uh, and did like the equivalent of a hacker boot camp for somewhere around four months um, and did that full time and then came out of that, completely ignored the print aspect of it and just used all of those things in digital design. And so I've got a bunch of the primitives. Uh, you know, there's obviously much better designers in the world than me. But one of the key things is that, like, there's not that many, you know, programmers as prolific and designers that are actually doing open source out there. And so right. there's just so much easy stuff like the React Native website, the Pretty website, the Jest website, uh, the entire TypeScript infrastructure, like all those things were just easy, ripe things because it's so rare to get the skill set that I sort of grew to have over time. So Orta, one thing that I would like to get better at is this design topic in general. Um, I have some side projects I work on. Um, one of them is rubyconferences.org. So I thought like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll like buy Sketch and I will like try to redesign it or something um but i get kind of stuck on like the mechanics and i wonder if there's any like concrete or like any kind of advice or i don't know how can i do it how can i do it um I, so that's the one that's the tricky one right like i think of it a little bit as like you know it's like learning engineering there are multiple routes but the route that was most successful for me is sort of taking apart some existing thing and trying to understand why the decisions were made for that exact sort of context um, for example, uh, you know, I learned to program program by taking apart, uh, Mac applications like Adium and Quicksilver, uh, for design work, what I would do is I would take apart sort of similar apps like sketch. Like I, 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 uh, I'm trying to understand why sketch is designed the way it is designed and to really try and empathize with the actual designers doing the sort of domain problem that they're working on. And so like actually taking the time to concretely study designs of similar forms like it's not the same as like going to dribble um and just like looking at some designs because they're not going through the real world they're just like imagining what would be a utopian version of a sort of product <laughs> um you know in the real world it's much more complicated because of different design sizes shapes uh information hierarchy needs of users versus needs of admins like all those things sort of become these massive trade-offs like you can see some of those being codified in things like design systems. So there's a good sense of understanding why a design system is the way it is. But I think the biggest one is to just like take apart real work, try and understand what's going on and um, asking other people. Sure. Always, always a good thing to do to get out of your own head. Yeah, exactly. It's like recommending to people, oh, you want to do contribute to open source? Great, go read some open source, get a sense of what people are doing, and then actually try building on top of some of those uh, primitives. Does this design breakdown have a form? Like, are you just taking notes in a notebook? Are you um, in Evernote? Are you, you know, just in, in my, your head? Yeah, it's just in my head for me. I'll sit down and like, like I, so 
what I do now, now that I've got the, uh, now that I know what I'm doing in design tools, right? So it's like, I, I can very quickly mock up something. Um, and first I will do it on a whiteboard and then I'll move it straight into Sketch or Figma. Um, and at that point, I really am just designing with those primitives. Um, and sometimes that's taking lots of screenshots, having them next to it, um, and trying to get a sense of what the shape of it looks like. That's what I'm doing right now with the new TypeScript website. Um, a lot of the time, just putting these designs next to each other and getting a sense of like, why did someone choose this part of the design? And what parts of it do I want to take into mind? Um, it's a lot like, you know, stealing game game technique ideas, right? Like you, you can't really copyright the pure like idea of showing a red health bar versus a green one at certain times, but you have to understand the motives for why someone did that. Um, so I think you can get a lot of that from design just by good stealing. <laughs> as, as opposed to the bad stealing, which <laughs> we definitely do not recommend. <laughs> um, I, so this design conversation, Orta, you've mentioned a few things in there that you you have just you've designed the sites for, like Jest and Prettier. Uh, I think React Native was one that you also said. Yeah. Like there's an initiative side to that, or like a um, you know you just kind of it's like you just decided. At least this is how I understand it. In at least one of those cases, you were just like, I'm gonna redesign this website and submit this like RFC to get an idea of what people think about it. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's a level of like gusto that I certainly don't have, but for you, it's, it extends even beyond just the design projects. My understanding of how you ended up joining, uh, the TypeScript team is you saw an opportunity where they didn't, they, they hadn't filled these gaps. Like they didn't, they had, uh, they had a bunch of compiler engineers and no one who really knew, um, how to manage the website of it. And you were like, oh, I'm just going to go do that. Um, I think that's amazing, but I'm curious, like, what do you, what do you say to somebody like me? Who's just, uh, who doesn't necessarily have the courage to go do those kinds of things. Uh, in part, it's like a, a bunch of these things sort of come organically, right? Like, um, I want, I, I wanted to get my feet wet in JavaScript. So I looked at what the tools were that I felt were interesting and picked Jest. And that Jest was my first like open source contributions uh, to, to sort of building an editor experience, like improving some of the sort of the UI of it. Um, and that got me a really good relationship with sort of uh, some of the people that are also React core contributors that run React Native um, that also happen to be influencing with Prettier. And so jumping out of nowhere is uh, and saying I've got a redesign wasn't quite how almost any sure. of those works in part because like, you know, there's a tension within all of these teams to be able to sort of present themselves best on the web, but also to just get stuff done. Um, and a lot of people are just like, I, I, I think it's good enough as it is. Um, and that's totally reasonable because uh, for all of them, they were just good enough, but like they they oh the relay website <laughs> listing them off but like that was a perfect case of like the, it, it was totally for them it was good enough but for me uh, and for for us at Artsy even twitching other people that relay is worth your time like having a an unimpressive homepage was actually uh, a stickler um, but is the sometimes the ideas just needed more polish and uh, like I could come in and say like I think these things need to, need to happen and usually I would first ask in a private channel so mm -hmm. I'd find out where the core room was and you know the the people that will be the actual making the decisions of these things and get in touch um, and then from there eventually what people would see outside is the 
ta-da, here's a finished design. Um, but reality, it was like a lot of internal feedback and going back and forth um, on like, you know, I think the metaphor of cards could work well for Jest in this in this symbol and uh, this sort of way. Uh, but like for the TypeScript job, you know, the TypeScript team, they just had a GitHub issue that said we have a single open headcount, um, to which I assume what they were looking for was, you know, another like traditional compiler engineer, like, you know, the TypeScript team has a ton of really interesting contributors that do all sorts of cool stuff on the compiler. Um, and so I suppose I was probably a surprise to come out of nowhere and just be like, well, actually, I'm probably not going to be a great compiler engineer, but there's, you know, the TypeScript project is scaling a, 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 a level was just unanticipated for pretty much everybody. Um, and like the, the things that I tend to care about and like, here's my massive open source, like existing prior stuff of this. I think, I think I can really fix all these problems and, and they'll allow more people to concentrate on the compiler. So it won't necessarily be about, you know, me doing improving that, that part of it, but it will allow a lot more people to not focus on it. Right. Um, and so like the pitch is just the pitch, right? Like at that point, it's just a matter of having a way to like tell tell someone this and in part that was just the normal interviewing process um but at the same time it, it was just about having enough confidence in your abilities and you know at this point i can quite easily say on the internet that i'm not that stupid like people know generally what i'm doing um and uh just having the confidence to be able to go out there and say like you know i I think this part could be better. I'll put this much work into this and, you know, some other people will probably handle some of the other bits. Um, and a lot of the time when I go do this to open source communities, uh, I did it with Svelte last year. Uh, I, I just said, here's what I think the future of tooling looks like for Svelte. Um, and I built like a few GitHub repos and sort of consolidated a lot of work together, uh, did automation. And then I, gave it away. And now there's other people running Svelte's tooling. I've finally built a single website in Svelte. Uh, and <laughs> Congratulations. I know. By that point, though, I, I built a ton of tools for it, uh, but never actually used it. I just had a sense of how TypeScript could understand it in its head and, and just got some of those bits working. So sometimes it's just about confidence and just saying, like, this is a vision and just backing up the start of that vision. You reminded me of this conversation that I've had with uh, at least one conference organizer, which is like, if you're putting on this big event and you have people who want to help and they come up to you and they say, hey, I want to help, that's far less useful than someone who comes up and says, hey, I want to help. And these are the things I can do, or this specific thing is an area that I want to help with. Um, so yeah, maybe there's some aspect of that, just like being more upfront about uh, what are the specific actions you're going to take or things that you're going to do that would allow you to just kind of like walk in the store and say, Hey, I'm going to do this thing for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like my first open source contributions were actually like to Alloy who worked at Artsy on the, on CocoaPods. That was just like, I started taking over some responsibilities so that they could do some, some, their actual work on CocoaPods. Uh, and that eventually turned into what is now over a decade of constant open source contributions. Like it wasn't, like big, uh, it was like issue management. And then eventually that just turned into something much bigger. Yeah. Orda, you, you have worked with Aloy in um, a number of ways. A recent thing that you worked on with Aloy, Capture for Zoom. Yeah. What is Capture for Zoom? 
it's a it's a tool for automatically backing up your Zoom recordings. So if you had uh, if you're running a small business where you were constantly doing Zoom recordings now because it's you know the 2020s, um, and every single day you had to back up your your Zoom videos to like Google Drive or to uh, uh, Dropbox, like uh, Capture does that automatically for you. Uh, it used to take my wife about an hour a day to deal with all that process, and now she just doesn't. Uh, and it saves her a ton of time. So I'm a big fan of it because, uh, you know, it's like saving my wife time saves me time. So you, so I think what this is, is like a Mac app that you install that is listening for maybe some kind of events that happen in Zoom. Is that it? No, it's a, it's a SaaS. So you just go and press a button and we start getting webhooks from Zoom and then we upload your videos. So it is completely Chromeless. You you sign up once and then you can basically forget about it until uh, until you decide to either cancel or obviously start paying more. <laughs> Does that mean that there's some webhook integration with, with Zoom that, that you've set up? So like you're OAuthing to Zoom's webhooks? Okay. Yeah. It's effectively like, it's a really clever, interesting system behind the scenes. It's like all functions, um, you know, serverless-y stuff, but effectively, you know, some webhook triggers a function, that tr- function does some OAuthing between you and your provider, and then that just all comes back. It's like, it's really clever, like boring code. Um, and then Svelte is on the front end. So that's my Svelte website. <laughs> gotcha. Very cool. I have one more question that I really want to ask you, but before I do, I want to give you the opportunity, Orda. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? That's maybe like about you know some way that you think about making a bigger impact, um, some you know life changing advice that you would give people, uh, maybe just a book you want us to read. Uh... Uh, so I, I I gave I get I gave a very specific talk on scaling your impact um, at a conference called JS Brazil maybe last year maybe the year before, um, but I would think of scaling your impact as being like an extension or a sort of parallel track to like your engineering uh, sort of career. You know, you start off in a code base as a junior trying to figure out a specific function and then you start to figure out a feature and you start to figure out a code base and you start to figure out architecture. Um, the same thing coexists for your open source impact. It could be like, you know, the first thing you do is you write some readme changes. Those are, those are really useful. I get them on TypeScript every day. Um, and then you start improving, improving, improving. And suddenly you go from, you know, core contributor to constant contributor to maintainer, to working at foundations, to sort of helping run languages. Like every single step is very incremental, but you can only see that once you're actually at the next, at the step. So it's a lot like, you know, jumping from junior to sort of somewhere between senior, you're not quite sure when that, 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 that tick, when you've hit the tick and you're on the other side, but um, it's it's all very feasible. It just takes a bit of time. And you can maybe make your job align if you're lucky. <laughs> um, it, sounds, it sounds really organic. Like t- this, this ladder is not like a, it's not, there are not discrete steps. It's, it's like um, you're, you're just, it's really squishy and you're figuring out along the way, oh, now I understand this one thing and I want to know, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this specific aspect of my job. Uh, and you slowly, maybe not slowly, grow, go through that. Yeah, you hear a lot of like, you know, when you're managing people, you're like, people should probably be performing at the level where you promote them by the time you're thinking of promoting them. 
Um, and it, it's very similar with open source. Like you don't necessarily get a promotion in open source, except you kind of do, right? Like, you know, when you say you're a core contributor to uh, React, then like people will look at you differently. Um, sure. And, and people will take you more seriously in different ways. Um, and and that that that's I think where it starts to sort of pile on in interesting ways. Like, yeah, you can do a few README changes, but the moment you tell someone that you're you, you contributing to big stuff, then people people will look at you differently. They let you come in and just redesign the website. Kinda, yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, yeah. Like, I, I did that for Docusaurus very recently. Cool, um, Orta. My last question for you is about reinvention. And um, just to kind of get into this, the, the probably the biggest way that I think that you uh, impact others and make people better is just the way that you inspire people to do things. Um, I don't know if you consciously think about that, but like your energy level and maybe it's the way that you work shallowly to just kind of nudge everybody forward a little bit, but it makes people do things that, um, you know, they didn't think that they were going to do, which is really, really cool. But the, to me, the most significant, um, source of inspiration that I've gotten from you is this idea that you just, you have completely reinvented yourself, like literally reinvented yourself. You just, you had some events where you were just like, I'm old Orta is not going to do this stuff. New Orta is going to do this stuff from here. Um, can we talk about this? Is that safe to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, like, so, so, I mean, this, this relates to almost like my university age, like, you know, I, 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 at one point I decided that I wanted to be a, a Mac developer. Like I loved the idea and the ethos, like how native applications feel, how much craft and care was taken into all of these details. Um, and like the, 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 I couldn't necessarily see a route from where I was like, you know, at the time, there wasn't a, 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 a big indie scene. Um, and uh, I don't know, it sort of felt like a, just some guy from the north of England who was going to live a small, small life and maybe maybe just get a few sort of a few bits done um, and sort of eventually came to the conclusion that that probably wasn't what I wanted in the long run. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that just like being local and there's a lot of advantages to being a local person uh it's hard to to sort of talk about scale of impact and then and and not try to be like well if you're not doing this level of impact your stuff is not that important but like you know we all need local communities we all need and rely on like each other uh, in both small and large spheres um and i just started realizing over time that like my sphere is very large and like the things that i want to actually attain uh a big and hard and take a very large amount of time. Um, and so those, those long-term goals originally were like five-year goals. Uh, and then eventually as you start getting towards those five-year goals and I just realigned them because they also didn't make sense with what I wanted after I'd had a few years of transforming myself to get towards where I wanted to go. Um, and so I've never achieved a single five-year goal, but in the process I've managed to sort of transform myself from, somebody that you know could just make a single feature to somebody that can you know create the entire experience for interacting with typescript on the web and that's an incremental bit bit by bit uh, i've had to change career directions multiple times in that in that 
time frame, but and sort of devote myself entirely to different communities and different time periods to try and figure out the right way for everybody to work together. But if no, part of that's it's the only way that I feel like I could work at that impact and still, you know, work on something gratifying, like doing something like Artsy is was fun um, and gave me enough space to be able to do some really hard work in the JavaScript and iOS ecosystem that would have been hard at different companies. Um, and so trying to make sure that all of those things aligned also sounds very natural when you describe it, but you know, a lot of it's very deliberate and well thought out over years to, to sort of get to a point where uh, can build cool things and feel really good about my work. Cool. I think we did it. I think we did a podcast and Again, just thanks for coming on order. So, so so much fun to talk to you. And we hope that you'll come on again. Of course. Miss you. Yeah. Miss Artsy too. It was fun stuff. Sweet. All right. Thanks, pals. Ciao, peeps. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Artsy Open Source. Keep up with the Artsy Engineering blog at artsy.github.io. Thank you, Eve Essex, for our theme music. You can find her on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Artsy Engineering Radio. Computers are just abstractions on abstractions on abstractions on abstractions.